in the 25th Psalm. Psalm 25, beginning in verse number 15. Psalm 25, verse number 15. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. I hope you can say that. I hope we can say that. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. Go throughout your entire day. Come here on Sunday morning. I'm not looking to the person standing behind the pulpit. My eyes are toward the Lord. Um, I'm not looking to my boss that I work for, for my paycheck. My eyes are toward the Lord. Uh, I'm not looking to the doctor to heal whatever it is that's wrong with me. My eyes are toward the Lord. Uh, Whatever the circumstances, situation, trouble um, that you find yourself in, as pray, as we look at this verse, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. So, I mean, you almost get the impression there, don't you, that he's not even watching out for the traps in a sense. Uh, You know, he's looking to the Lord um, because the traps are all going to be out there. And how am I going to save myself from a snare that I can't see? Um, You know, from something, if we were laying a trap, you know, for, um, you know, some sort of game, I know that bothers some of you, but we do eat meat, most of us. um, And, you know, we covered it with leaves, you know. Uh, and it couldn't be seen, and the animal steps in it, they're trapped, you know. So we can't always see the trap. We look to the Lord. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. He shall bring my feet uh, out of the net. And it could be a net laid out there with leaves all over it. Couldn't see it, and here it goes. Pulls you up into it. Um, Turn thee unto me. If you've read Pilgrim's Progress, there's a part in there that has that. <laughs> they stray from the way. Remember, they follow the man that was black in appearance, and they find themselves in a net. Um, sorry, it's just, I've read it so many times and it's just in there. Um, turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me for I am desolate and afflicted. That could be a net, couldn't it? And a net of desolation and a net of affliction. The troubles of my heart, there's a net, are enlarged. Oh, bring thee, thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies. There's a net for you. They're many. They hate me with cruel hatred. Verse 20, oh, keep my soul. Lord, keep my soul. Who else is going to keep it? You're going to keep it? You're able to keep it? You're going to be able to make it the rest of the way on your own? No, mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. In other words, strengthen me. Help me to stand in the evil day. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Fathers, we bow before you, we look unto you. How could we not as we read these verses and we begin with verse number 15 saying that our eyes are ever toward the Lord. So, Father, this, this day, this time that we are gathered here right now, our eyes are toward you. Our eyes are upon you. Our trust is in you. Um, Father, let us not be ashamed. Uh, we look unto you for... Um, 
Father, understanding. We look unto you for wisdom. We look unto you, uh, Father, to speak unto us from the, the text that we have before us here this morning. So our eyes are upon you. We look unto you. We ask that you would speak unto us in your mercy this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, once again, I'm going to attempt to complete our study of the 25th Psalm. Last week, we looked at the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. Proverbs 25, verse 2, we read this once before when we were in an earlier verse than even the secret of the Lord when we were looking at what man is he in verse number 12 that feareth the Lord. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. Uh, we sang that hymn this morning, or actually a psalm this morning, Psalm 13, how long, O Lord? You know, maybe a person's in a condition. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's one of these things that we have mentioned here. You know, look, look at all of them again. There was desolation, affliction, troubles, uh, distresses, uh, pain. Um, there's enemies. There's all these things that are mentioned, you know, there in those verses. Um, you know, how long, Lord? How long will... I mean, did David have cause to, to say that? I mean, Saul was... was was chasing him through the wilderness. He's hiding in caves. He's, he's making his refuge among some people. And asked, he'd asked the Lord, are they going to give me up? And the Lord said, they're going to give you up. And so, Lord, shall I leave? You should leave. You know, and how many times did he find himself? I mean, in the cave even once. And there was Saul come in to lay down the rest. And his men are like, kill him. You know, be done with this. Um, but, you know, David wouldn't. And, and did David have, did, not, did he not have cause in all those situations, circumstances to say, how long, Lord? How long? How long before I'm delivered from this sickness? How long before I'm delivered from this wilderness? How long till I'm delivered from this set of circumstances that I find myself in uh, that I don't like, um, that I, I wouldn't have chosen for myself, that I would rather not be in? Uh, how long, Lord, before you know, I'm delivered from this? Well, I was up here in the front while y'all were all having your conversations back there shalom and i were talking about the fact that god's always on time he's never too soon he's never too late he provides he provides at just the the proper time um, exactly what we need and that we need to learn to walk by faith and not by sight that's what he and i were talking about um y'all probably had some good conversations going too but on the one hand we have god's revealed will to man we know some things we know that god is good we know that god is just we know that god is upright we know that god can do no wrong uh, we we know things that he's called us to walk in what is his will we know that that we're to love him with all of our heart all of our soul all our mind all our strength on the other hand, there's some things that haven't been revealed unto us. There's some things that are, that, are, that are secret even unto us that the Lord either hasn't chosen to reveal to us now or it's just not yet. Um, you know, it, the disciples, the Lord, again, I said it last week, but the Lord said, there are many things that I have to say unto you, but you're not able to bear them. You know, so there, there's things of, of that nature. Um, but we look to the Lord, our eyes are upon him 
our eyes are ever toward the Lord, waiting upon Him. Um, you think about a about a, a a handmaid to her her mistress, how that she's ever looking, a servant to his master, how that he's ever looking. You know, we're ever looking unto the Lord. We don't know how long. We don't know what may be next. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's around the next bend. Um, you know, we we got into a set of canoes one day. And we thought we were going to have a grand old time, you know, and just enjoy floating down, you know, this, this peaceful stream. Uh, had a little bit of a current to it, but not much. But everybody else's experience may have been that, but it wasn't ours. The canoe turns over, and, and Teresa's underwater for longer than I, I mean. I guess if you're in that situation, you know, you, we could all sit here and we could go and hold our breath. And, and watch, if you have a watch, watch the seconds tick, 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 tick away. <sighs> 19 seconds, you know, or 60 seconds. You got those people that do the deep dives and they follow down those ropes, you know, and, and just incredible amount of time that they spend there. But, I mean, I didn't literally have a watch while she was underwater, but I had enough time for myself to come to the surface and see not her, not Rebecca, not Andrew, and see a canoe that was turned over and have enough time to flip that over as people are saying, don't do that, it'll sink. I don't care. I'll buy you a new canoe. You know, but there they were, still, you know, under the, the little bar, you know, under, when they were turned over the other way, I guess y'all had air. Y'all were holding on to the bar probably in the canoe. I don't know. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I flipped you over it. My memory was you were like in the water at that point, you know, and I pulled you out, shoved you to the canoe that was floating by, and then started making my way to the shore looking for Teresa. Here I am giving personal things again. <laughs> um, but, you know, when she came to the surface, I was like, how could you have held your breath? And she was like, another second. And that would have been, you know, I would have been breathing in water. Uh, but how long? You know, how long is this going to last, Lord? How, how long is this going to be? And, and we can go through all the range of emotions like, I don't want to be here. I hate being here. I'm unhappy here. And then we get settled into the fact that, Lord, you have me here and I'm not getting out until you get me out. So, uh, Lord, how long? How long is this going to be? We look unto him, don't we? Our eyes are upon the Lord. You know, I don't know how um, things are going with, 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 you know, your business right now, brother, but I mean, you may be busier than you've been, or you may not be busy. And we know what that's like, you know, in the construction industry for things to be like way up here. We're still, <laughs> we don't have enough people to handle all this. There's more coming at us than we can shake a stick at. If you think about an old adage that my, my grandparents would use, but, but then there's times that it's lean. And I've, I've got people coming up to me in Home Depot right now that are saying, how's work for y'all? We don't have anything. Lord, we look to you. Our eyes are upon you. It's not on the economy. That doesn't have any bearing upon God and what he's able to do. It, it, it's not upon what's in my bank account. That doesn't have any bearing upon God and what he's able to do. It, it's not upon, you know, the, the here we are again, another election year, right? It, we knew it was coming, you know, and, and it seemed like it's taking a long time to get here, but, but here it is. 
But our eyes aren't upon that. I'm not saying we're not paying attention to it, but our eyes aren't upon that like they are what the psalmist is saying here. Our eyes are upon the Lord. We might have reason to say, Lord, how long? You know, in a right way, in an humble way, looking for mercy and grace. Lord, if I'm going to be here for a while, uh, I'm going to need something. I'm going to need grace. I'm going to need grace to carry me through. Will you... Will you grant me the grace and the strength that I need to be able to endure? And not only endure, but to endure in such a way that you receive glory out of this? Lord, would, you, would the Lord grant such a prayer? Would the Lord be pleased with such a prayer? Sure, sure. Um, do we have reason to believe that he would be gracious enough to grant that? Yes, we absolutely do. Um, but here we're, we're, we, we can confess our failings. We can, of our, you know, the, the failings of our carnal reasoning. Um, and, and we can say, God is true. And God is just and God is right. And he's doing what is right in these circumstances. I'm just going to continue to look to him and walk by faith and not by sight. So there is that secret place that we have that we talked about last week to be able to reside in. The world doesn't know anything about that. You know, you think about it. We go through the same troubles that are common unto all men, but we have the Lord. We have the Lord to look to. My eyes are upon the Lord, and we have that place to reside, and we have that place of peace to rest in. There's a hymn that says, um, there is a place of quiet rest. Remember it? Near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest. Near to the heart of God. There is a place of comfort sweet. Near to the heart of God. A place where we, our Savior, meet. Near to the heart of God. There is a place of full release. I mean, there's liberty there. There's full release there. There's, there's comfort and peace there. There is a place of full release near to the heart of God. God, you are sovereign. You are omnipotent. There's no power that can keep you from being sovereign, right? You, know, you are omniscient. There's nothing that you do not, there's not anything you don't know that's going to keep you from being sovereign. You are omnipresent. You are everywhere. You know, there's not anything that's going to keep God from being sovereign over all things. Um, uh, the, the, the young people are reading through the book of Job right now. And, and uh, I, I, I bought a book that I hope be a blessing to them. And they've already gone past the first chapter. But, but the very first chapter, the title is this. When all hell breaks loose. Because you remember, God says, have you considered my servant Job? <laughs> and Satan's like, okay, I'm going to unleash on him everything that I can. God says, you can go this far. And so Satan's like, all right, I've got all this arsenal, and I'm fixing to unload up to the point that I can on Job. Um, so and that, why would the first chapter not be called by the writer uh, when all hell breaks loose? 
God, this is something that Brother Conrad said, God makes a personal covenant with those who trustingly fear him. He speaks to them his immutable promises of unspeakable peace and security. He causes them to cease from their worry, fretting and struggles, making them to know that he has sworn. He has, hasn't he? He has sworn with an oath. And since he can't swear by anyone greater than himself, he has sworn by himself. He has sworn to be their savior and their deliverer. And you hear the psalmist saying, in light of that, my eyes are ever toward you, Lord. Sure. The eyes of the believer who knows that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him are ever upon the Lord. Knowing that he's the author and finisher of our faith, our eyes are ever toward the Lord. You know, that the enemy may attempt to lay that snare, you know, for us, to destroy us, but it's God who keeps us. It's God who keeps us. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. He is, as we saw last week in what we read, I'll read it to you again, verse number 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. The covenant that he has made with us that Brother Conrad was mentioning there. He swore by himself because he could swear by nothing greater than himself. Mine eyes are ever toward this covenant-keeping God. You know, he's the God of, they will be my people. He's the God of, I will be their God. You know, and they will, and, and, and their sins, I'll remember no more. You know, he's the God of that. I'll read to you again what I read to you last week from Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34, because it continues to have bearing. Behold, the day shall come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which by my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. Do you find it there? Is it there? Is it in your inward parts? You know, I, I, I've told you before, somebody brought a nice framed copy of the Ten Commandments to Bentley Camp one time. Gave it to Brother Conrad. Great big copy. It's actually still there. Last time the building's dilapidated, there's, there's, there's trees grown up in the parking lot. You know, it's, it's, it's all run down. But it's still there. Brother Conrad, you know what he did with it? I've told you before, some of you have heard me say this. Some of you have been there, so wouldn't be quite fair for you to answer, but, but he put it on the outside of the building, just right outside the door on the wall. Why? Because those things are already written on our hearts. It's not on the outside. You know, it's, it, it, for the world, that's where it's got to be. It's not in their hearts. But for you and for me, it's written within. They write it in their inward parts, he says, and write it in their hearts. And will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Spurgeon said this about nets. 
that we may fall into. He says, when we get into them, the Lord shall pluck them or us out of them. When Satan seems to cast a net over me, God will come and pull me out. I'll, I'll go back to Pilgrim's Progress. And if you've read it, the illustration will mean something to you. If you haven't read it, one day maybe I'll get through to you and you'll actually read it. I'm not going to ask you who hasn't read it. But you remember, the, depending on where you're from, this side of the pond or the other, it's the slough or the slough of this pond, right? There he was. Christian, there he is. He's, he's in, in that dirt and that mire. And what happens? His eyes are turned to the Lord. He says, Lord, help. And someone comes and plucks him out. And he asks, what's your name? He says, my name's help. My master has given me the name help. You know, uh, so he will come and pull me out. There is force, he says, in that word pluck. He'll pluck me out. It's God's power. It's God's authority. It's God's ability to pluck us out of that place. But, it, but the, he, he goes on to say that word pluck. When you pluck something, that's not a pull necessarily. You know, you pluck something, it's kind of quick. If you have a nose here that's uh, errant <laughs> and you take some tweezers, you want to pluck that pretty fast. You know, that's going to hurt. A Band-Aid, you know, rip it off real quick, pluck it off. So he says that idea of pluck denotes swiftness and energy. He says perhaps also there's a little roughness, but God's roughness is true tenderness. God's roughness is true tenderness. So can we not see how that the eyes of such a man who fears the Lord would be ever towards the Lord? Our eyes need to be fixed upon him. Not, not just about nets, but we sang those hymns this morning. Our eyes fixed upon him. As some of the hymns say, lost in wonder, love, and praise. You know, we mentioned that last week, I think. But the eyes of the believer who knows that God is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him are ever fixed upon him, waiting upon him. He's the object. Keep your eye upon the light. Where's that from? Go ahead, brother. Keep, keep your eye upon the light. You remember that in the book? That was in Pilgrim's Progress, too. Sorry. Uh, I just figured you would, yeah. <laughs> keep your eye upon the light. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, when he took his eye off the light, that's when there was going to be trouble. Now, who's the light? It's Christ. You know, keep your eye upon the light. Um, so we who trust in the Lord's... We, we, we have our eyes fixed upon him. Are your eyes fixed upon him? Are you, are you waiting upon him? Is, is, he, is the object of your affection? Is he that object of your affection? Is, is he the object of, 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 of sustaining you? Is he the object of your strength? Is he the object of everything that you have need of? Oswald Chambers said that the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear him, you need, fear, you need not fear anything else. Your eyes are upon Him. You're looking unto Him. You know that He's in control of all things. When you fear the Lord, you need fear nothing else. But when you do not fear God, you need to fear everything else. That's what He said. 
Psalm 121 verse 7 says, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. Sounds like some nets are involved there. He shall preserve thy soul. He shall do it. Not we shall do it, but he shall do it. Verse 16, it says, Turn that thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged, verse 17 says. Oh, bring me out of my distresses. I'm reading from Psalm 25. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. We don't, we don't need to ask, as the world does, what have I done to deserve this? <laughs> right? Now, the world says that. We've done plenty to merit an eternity in hell. But, but um, David says, look upon these things, Lord. They're, they're, they're things that are common to all men, just like we said. But the difference is that I'm looking to you. I'm trusting in you. I'm waiting upon you. I'm hoping in you. Let me not be ashamed. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God. Isn't David doing that here and looking to the Lord? He's humbling himself. He's, he's confessing and looking to the Lord who's in control here. Who's in authority here? Who's over all these things here? Humble yourselves, therefore, into the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. What is David doing here when he says, you know, look upon these things, Lord. Look upon my affliction. Look upon this trouble that I'm in. Look at my distresses. My heart's enlarged. Look upon my affliction. He's doing the very thing that we read of there in 1 Peter 5. We read, we read verse number 6 about humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. What does verse 7 say? Casting all your care upon him. That's what David's doing here. He's casting all of his care upon the Lord. I mean, whatever it is you're thinking about and goes through the thoughts, it's in your heart. The Lord already knows all those things. So we're, we're confessing those things for our benefit, aren't we? Knowing and calling upon the Lord and saying, Lord, you know about these things already. I'm not hiding anything from you. Uh, you know if I feared this circumstance and I should rather be fearing you. But Lord, I'm, I'm confessing my need and, and my desire not to be afraid of men, but rather to fear the Lord. Not to have a respect of men that would cause me to do something I ought not to do, but rather fear you to do what you call me to do. You know, the disciples said that, didn't they? You, know, you, you, you decide whether we should do what things that you say or the things that God has said. You know, um, but casting all our cares upon him because he cares for us. I mean, what if we're in a position of feeling the guilt of past sins? I mean, we've seen that in this psalm. We've read about that here in this psalm. Um, well, the Lord knows that we're feeling that. Cast it upon the Lord. Uh, Lord, you, you said that you've forgotten these things. I want to forget them. Um, I, maybe I don't want to forget them in the sense that I, I, I completely have forgotten them, that I not be warned, you know, by falling back into that thing. But I want to forget them in the sense that I feel like that, that your hand, you know, of judgment is upon me. And, and that I've got to be guilty, you know, over these things when they're under the blood of Christ and they've been covered and they've been cast as far as the east is from the west. Help me to forget them. In that sense. Verse 20, he says, Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. What are we asking for? We're asking for mercy, aren't we? We're asking for the Lord to help us in time of need. He who is a very present help in times of trouble, right? He's not far away. 
You, you remember the prophets of Baal that go, you know, call louder. He's maybe further away on, on a trip and on, on a journey and he can't hear you. No, God's ever present. He's never far away. First Peter 1 and verse 5 says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, and might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? Go ahead, Sister Proby, give us their Hebrew names. I'll put you on the spot. Shalom. <laughs> well, we know him mostly by... Yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't we? Um, but but think, think about that last part, okay? What I read there in 1 Peter 5, 7, that the trial of your faith being much in, in light of them, don't forget them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. They were, weren't they? They were tried with literal fire. That's not figurative. That is literal. Though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the what? Appearing of Jesus Christ. Nebuchadnezzar looks over into that place where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been cast. And how many people does he see? How many people did he throw in? Yeah. At the appearing of Jesus Christ. So here we are in this trial. Here we are in this trouble. The Lord's going to come. Look to him. Look to him. The Lord's going to come. He came. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told Nebuchadnezzar now, he may not choose, God may not choose to deliver us, but nevertheless, we're not going to bow down. You've got to do whatever you've got to do, king. But we can't bow down before this idol. And the Lord, very near, came and was there with them. So much so, they came out. You know, a furnace that had been heated, you know, hotter than ever before, right? And there's not even, we, we burned yesterday. There was the smell of smoke all over me. You know, there were piles that we'd piled up and there was smoke. I was, I was shocked at the bees, you know, because we go out to take care of the bees. We take a smoker, you know, to kind of move them around so we can take frames out and things to work on the beehives. Or Rebecca does. I just go out there and help her. And she says, I need smoke. So I give her smoke, you know. <clears throat> but there was so much smoke around the property. I was shocked that they were flying around, you know, and, and, and collecting, you know, pollen. Uh, but there's this the tree right outside. My mom wanted there to be a window in my study to look out. There's a redbud tree and the other one's a pear tree, I think it is. And I, I mean, just last week, I, I looked out the window and saw these buds, you know, little bitty buds. I mean, they, no flowers, no blooms at all. And it was like overnight, boom. You know, there's this, this splash and display of color, you know, that's, that's everywhere. And the bees are all over it. They're ready. And they're looking for spring and they're looking for flowers. The daffodils, they were out just for a little while. 
um, when it was real cold still, they, were, they came up out of the ground. I remember that one year we saw them come up out of the snow. Um, you know, but now that the heat, we got a little bit of heat, and phew, you know, they've just shriveled up. Um, but, but there the Lord was. Um, he's, we don't always see that he's there. We, we walk by faith and not by sight, but he's ever present. He's ever there. But there wasn't even the smell of smoke upon Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's where I was going with that. Kind of come back to it. Um, their clothes weren't singed, and not even the smell of smoke. After we had gone through one of the most difficult things that, that Teresa and I had been through, uh, the next camp that we went to, Brother Conrad asked me to bring a devotion. I stood up there at the pulpit. He walked up beside me and put his arm around me, and he went, because we'd been through a hard thing. And he said, not even the smell of smoke on them. You know. Um, so the God-fearing man asked to be brought out of his distresses. The Lord's very near. He can bring us out in a moment. Um, he knows that ultimately the reason for all of these things, the God-fearing man, he knows the reason for all these things is to conform him into the image of Christ. Is there any conforming that needs to be done in your life still? Um, you, you, you still have need to be the potter, you know, or, or, the, or the, the clay rather, and ask the potter to mold you and shape you and fashion you into his image? We do. Verse 21 says, Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. I think the smoke got to my voice a little bit. <clears throat> So it is that integrity, that uprightness, that, that, that righteousness that God has, has given unto us. You know, that is what is, is sustaining us. We're not sustaining ourselves. Oh, I mean, how quick our resources are depleted. Uh, how quickly we, we run through those things and, and we're, we're left with, with, with nothing saying, Lord, if you don't save me, I'm going to perish. If you don't help me here, I'm, I'm done for. Um, so we, we look unto him. We hold fast unto him. Um, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Psalm twenty-seven fourteen says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say. He says it twice. It's so important for us to look unto the Lord. He says it two times. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Redeem us, Lord. Redeem us from all of our troubles. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. They're all around us. The snares are there. Um, Lord, come and deliver us. Redeem us. We know that you hear us. We know that you're able. We know that you'll answer us. Did you know the name Israel means God prevails, right? Redeem, O oh God, Israel. Redeem Israel. Redeem the one who prevails in, who you cause to prevail. Redeem us. Redeem us. Rescue Israel. Redeem us out of all our troubles. You know, Jacob, he wouldn't let go, would he? He wouldn't let go until, you know, he had that promise. He had the answer. He wouldn't let go until he found blessing. His name in that place was changed. Genesis thirty-two twenty-eight says, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince... Hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed? Think about all your troubles in light of that, right? Think about all your troubles in light of that. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men, 
and hast prevailed. How are you going to prevail? Jacob was holding on to God. His eyes were upon the Lord. He was holding on to him. There was redemption. There he was redeemed. So in the face of Christ, we see God. We see the blessing of God in him. We know that our Redeemer liveth. We know that he is at work in all of our troubles. We know that that good work which he's began, he will complete. So there's one more thing in closing. Okay? One more thing. I'm going to read something to you. In light of these troubles, these nets, you know, circumstances, God being in control, all the things we've been talking about, okay? So a man named Frederick Nolan, a believer in Christ, was fleeing for his life from his enemies during a time of religious persecution in North Africa. You read this before, brother? No. Pursued by them over hill and valley with no place to hide, Nolan fell exhausted into a wayside cave, expecting his enemies to find him soon. Awaiting his death, he saw a spider weaving a web. Within minutes, the spider had woven a beautiful web across the mouth of the cave. The pursuers arrived and wondered if Nolan was hiding in there. But on seeing the unbroken spider's web, they concluded it was impossible for him to have entered into that cave without disturbing the web. So his pursuers went on, and Nolan's life was spared. Having escaped, he wrote these words. Where God is, a spider's web is like a wall. Where God is not, a wall is like a spider's web. So just to show the grace, the might, the power of God to use even a spider's web to save a man who was fleeing from his enemies, who hated him with a cruel hatred, just like we read here in this psalm. So, amen. We finally made it to the end of Psalm 25. You know, um, next week, the Lord willing, we'll start Psalm 26. Started it on December 3rd. <laughs> You're writing it down. <laughs> You're doing like Teresa. Uh, she usually writes down where I've been and what the date was. Um, well. And now Proby's like, yep, yeah, that's it. I got it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have number 22. No, that's the one. 